I mean, I guess it depends on whether you're a glass half full or glass half empty person, how you view the Toronto Blue Jays did this week. I mean, obviously, it's, it's good news that they beat the Cincinnati Reds in a series. Um, great news that uh, the offense erupted in the final game of that series yesterday, a uh, 10-3 win. And uh, great news that we saw, I guess you could call it some semblance of a, a team-wide approach against Hunter Green, against a guy who uh, throws hard. This is my friend Kevin Barker, who you'll notice is not with me today. We've decided to give him a week off. I mean, even the mayor of Back Lake City needs some time off. Um, <clears throat> by taking an approach against Hunter Green that focused on the fastball, a very, as my friend Mr. Barker would say, very simplistic approach, almost a clear-headed approach. Uh, we saw the Blue Jays erupt with 12 extra base hits and five home runs. Now, um, that's all good. That looks really good. I, I guess the glass half full or the glass half empty part comes from the fact that uh, if the playoffs started today, and thank God they don't, but if the playoffs started today, the Toronto Blue Jays uh, would not be in them. Uh, the Blue Jays, for the first time in a long time, are outside the playoff race. They're 69 and 56. They're a half game out. The Seattle Mariners have won six in a row. The Seattle Mariners this weekend claimed the third and final wild card spot. Um, they've been on a roll. Julio Rodriguez has been on a roll. So they've moved ahead of the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are currently, as I mentioned, half a game out. They're two and a half ahead of the Boston Red Sox. Um, and, and that's the glass half empty view of things. Now, as I said, you know, the good news, the playoffs don't start. Uh, I don't know how you would view the fact that the Blue Jays, who have today off, start a three-game series against the Baltimore Orioles um, on Tuesday. I don't know if you would consider that good or bad news, right? We know the Blue Jays' record inside the division is abysmal. Uh, we know they're 2-8. and eight. I believe two and eight against the the Baltimore Orioles this year, um, and eleven and twenty three within the division. And here's the thing, you know, if the Jays, in facing Grayson Rodriguez, take the same approach they had on Sunday against Hunter Green. Now, pitchers aren't the same, but both of them have high velo. Both of them love their fastball. And again, we must remi remind everybody that Hunter Green was coming off a, uh, a long IL stint in making yesterday's start. And essentially, uh, the Cincinnati Reds, the plan for Hunter Green was to drive his pitch count uh, up. Uh, if that had been a regular game and Hunter Green just wasn't very good, trust me, he would have been out of that game um, much earlier, much earlier than he was. But the point is, if the Jays can keep that approach going into Baltimore against Grayson Rodriguez, um, you'd have to feel better about their chances than you otherwise would. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. 
We've seen this before. You think back to the Blue Jays and their trip to Fenway Park earlier this month. They just absolutely demolished the Boston Red Sox. Just looking at these scores here. Well, demolished. 7-3, the final game in Fenway. And we were all talking about at that point, oh my God, it looked that it, it there's a team wide, there's a team wide approach here. John Schneider, the manager, talked about about having a team wide approach. And Kevin Gossman, their pitcher, mentioned before the series against Boston, you know, we should we should look at at the approach that the uh that the Baltimore Orioles have and how that was either Gossman or, or Bassett, but how the Orioles kind of had this very simple team wide approach to hitting. The Jays had that against Boston. We thought then, of course, they went into Cleveland and proceeded to stop scoring runs. So it remains to be seen how the Jays build on that 10-3 win this weekend in Cincinnati, on that 10-3 win on on Sunday. Uh, The hope is that with an off day, the hope is that whatever they were thinking about on Sunday is the same thing they'll be thinking about when they go into Baltimore to take on the Orioles. Um, I don't know if there's anybody out there who still actually harbors any hope of the Jays winning this division. Um, I can't imagine there is. To me, it's all about focusing on the wild card right now. And even if you sweep the Orioles, even if you win three games against the Orioles, I think you still need to focus. You still need to focus on the wild card. And the wild card has tightened up considerably. It's not just a matter of Seattle. It's a matter of the Boston Red Sox. They're playing better as well. So I guess the the easiest approach, the smartest approach for the Blue Jays and for their fans is just simply to just try to win as many series as you can going forward. Um, yes, you can keep track of what other teams are doing. But at this point in time, it's simply a matter of you have to win games. You have to win series. You can't get ahead of yourself. And quite frankly, you can't spend a great deal of time looking back either. I mean, we'll do that because it's sports talk radio. Fans will do that because fans generally do that. But if you're the Toronto Blue Jays, the focus is very much on the here and now and what lies ahead. What happened in the past, um, what happened in the past can't matter. Bo made his return to the lineup on the weekend. The impact was instant. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. left yesterday's game with a middle, with middle finger discomfort, injuring his finger on a swing. So we'll, we'll await and see the update uh, from the Blue Jays before tomorrow's game on Vladdy's health. But I was thinking about Vladdy as I was watching what Julio Rodriguez and the Seattle Mariners were doing in the past week or so. The Seattle Mariners have basically grabbed the wild card race. I mean, they basically turned it into their, their show. My sense is that the wild card goes through Seattle from this point on, even though they 
are still not, they do not have the top wild card spot. You just get the sense, based on what we saw against the Houston Astros, you just get the sense that um, that the Mariners are in one of those roles that we quite, we, we, we don't often see. You get the sense that the Mariners are a team um, kind of bizarrely playing as if they have very little pressure on them. I don't know whether that comes from what was done or wasn't done at the trade deadline. Uh, I think a lot of it simply comes from the fact that their best player, Julio Rodriguez, has put the team on his back, certainly in the past week he has. And you couple that with the fact that they've got really good pitching makes them, I mean, they are, they are a handful right now. And I kept thinking about this, watching Vladdy this weekend. And kept wondering, right? You look at the, the Jays in the absence of Bo Bichette. And I made this point that um, I thought the absence of Bo Bichette, I thought it was, it, it was the perfect opportunity for Vladdy to step up and put this team on his back, at least for a while. I mean, I'm at, at this point, I don't think we're expecting a tremendous month. I mean, just put the team on the back for a while. And that didn't happen. Uh, Matt Chapman also, uh, in that time, didn't have the greatest, uh, didn't have the greatest performance. So it was just, it was, it was one of those weekends where I think you really just kind of sat back and reflected a little bit on where, where this team is. And again, where it has to go, that has to be the talking point. That has to be the focus from this point on. Where does this team go from here? The stuff that happened in the past has happened. Where does this team go from here? What does it have to do to have more days like yesterday? There aren't going to be days where, I, I get this, 12 extra base hits, which is a season high. You're not going to do that every game. You're just not. Um, you're not going to run into a pitcher coming off the IL. You're not going to face a team that starts a bunch of rookies in the infield who did not play very well defensively. I mean, you just, that, that, that isn't always going to happen. That isn't always going to happen. But um, in the very least, given what happened in Cincinnati, given what lies ahead for this team, I think we can all agree, whether we're glass half full types or glass half empty types, I think we can all agree that from this point on, it, it's, about, it's about winning series. It's about winning games. It's about kind of forgetting about the stuff that happened in the past and trying to undo things that have happened in the past. It's very much about the present. It's very much about the future. We'll be joined later on in the show by Caleb Joseph, our Blue Jays analyst on Sportsnet. Uh, we'll also be joined by Tyler Kepner of the New York Times. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Tyler's article on the Baltimore Orioles. Maury Brown, senior contributor for Forbes and a Mariners fan. That's, this is purely co coincidental that he's a Mariners fan. He'll join us to talk a little bit about the year Major League Baseball is having. This is a story we haven't focused on enough. I don't think in this city, and I don't think a lot of markets. Attendance is up. There are a lot, a lot of the underlying numbers surrounding baseball and surrounding even the age of fans 
and the inroads that are being made into the the younger demographic that this that baseball has spent chasing for the past god since i've covered the game you 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 get the sense the numbers are there suggesting some inroads are being made and i don't i don't know if we've made a big enough story about that so uh out of that so maury brown will join us but uh in the meantime well not in the meantime don't want to make it sound like we're just bringing jason stark on to fill time because we're not jason stark of the athletic joins us hello jason I can still time for you anytime. Buddy. Ah, no, 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 no. We wouldn't do that to you. Trust me, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do that to you. Um, I, there's a lot I want to talk to you about, obviously, with the American League standings tightening up and, and everything. But, you know, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about this. Um, like, you know, I kind of, I follow the attendance figures when it comes to the Blue Jays, and they're they're robust. I mean, they're getting 42,000 a night on Tuesday nights, which... You know, there were years where you wouldn't get forty-two thousand for a for a three a midweek series of three games at the Blue Jays. And I'm looking around baseball, and I'm seeing all these attendance numbers. And I, are we making a big enough deal, Jason, about how kind of how robust this game is right now? <laughs> well, you know, Jeff, it's always complicated to try to analyze attendance numbers. Uh, you know, the, I don't think there's any doubt that baseball is having um, a surge in popularity. I don't think there's any doubt that the rule changes have had a big impact uh, on the popularity of the sport and the accessibility of the sport to people from all generations. I think all that's good. But just be careful about trying to read too much into attendance numbers because think, think of the context of the last few years. 2020 pandemic no fans. Mm-hmm. 2021 started uh, a, a, a lot of places, you know, they weren't admitting 100% of capacity, at least early in, this, in the year. And, and then last year, there was a lot of doubt about whether there was going to be a season because there was a lockout. And so we're coming off three successive seasons of season ticket bases that took a huge hit. And this is the first normal season since 2019. Mm. And so, you're, you know, a lot of that has to do with attendance because teams that have to sell every seat in the, in the stadium one, one seat at a time, they're never going to draw. And that's what we saw the last couple of years. But now we're back to teams having these healthy season ticket bases after a big winter of spending and acquisitions and free agency. And there's a lot of stuff driving attendance right now. Uh, I don't want to underestimate the part of this where baseball is more popular. I do think that's true. I'm I'm just cautious about trying to read too much into every attendance number. What do you think? What do you think the commissioner's office or how do you think the commissioner's office will view this then? Oh, I know what they think. Um, actually, you know, I had a w- long chat with Rob Manford about it up in Cooperstown a few weeks ago. Um, it, it, they're really excited with a lot of the underlying stuff, and you touched on some of it um, before you brought me in. But the this is the first significant drop in the average age of people going to games, people watching the games, people um, – using the app to watch baseball or watch baseball highlights, that's tangible. That's really exciting. Um, so I, I, I think that's probably the 
biggest part of this. Um, I, the other part is obviously this. This is an attendance surge and a revenue surge. They go hand in hand, <laughs> and it's necessary. You know, we, there, there are a lot of huge contracts signed this winter, and you know, spending is always going to be an issue in in baseball. So I I know that. There's a lot they're excited about. There's no doubt about that. And I was going to say that I think they're probably going to get a year's worth of free publicity in the offseason with Shohei Otani. I'm sure they wouldn't say this, but I'm sure the commissioner's office, their dream is that the Otani thing drags out into the into the new year. That would be spectacular because that will be the... It, I mean, anytime anybody catches a whiff of Shohei Otani or his people phoning anybody, that's going to be a huge news story. It's going to be spectacular. Yeah, there's nothing like that guy. But if you're going to, you could take any number of days or weeks you think the Otani free agency will last. I'll take the under. <laughs> really? You know, if you study the past, if you study the way he went about it last time, read Jeff Fletcher's great book on Otani. Right. I mean, you'll see how quickly he got it done. You know, he has certain criteria. He has certain stuff he wants. Uh, he definitely wants to train in Arizona, and he I think it's pretty clear he would prefer to be somewhere out west, um, not so much under the, the, the media glare if he can avoid it. And that limits the field. And, if, you know, like even the Dodgers last time around were theoretically in the list of finalists. And if you remember, Clayton Kershaw went to, to – uh, went to L.A. from his home in Texas to be part of the big delegation greeting Shohei and right. selling Shohei on the Dodgers. And when Shohei walked out, Clayton Kershaw told the world, what a waste of bleeping time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I, I, I bet it goes really quickly. Seriously. Um, all right, then. Let's talk about the Seattle Mariners. Uh, they have, you know, I was thinking about this this weekend, you know, we, I mean, we focus on the Orioles, the Rays, and, and yeah, we kind of kept our eye on the wild card all year, and it was kind of interesting what was going on. But it's it's funny, isn't it, Jason? It does. It seems as if people almost don't start watching, paying attention to the wild card until their team kind of slips out of it, and then you go, oh my god, what happened? It's like you wake up and somebody <laughs> slapped you in the face, and if the playoffs started today, uh, you wouldn't be in it. The, I mean, the Mariners, if first of all, the Mariners have been playing really well. It goes without saying. But secondly, Julio Rodriguez in these past five games, or four of those five games were historic. But he's been remarkable. Like, and, and as you know, someone who I consider you to be the the touchstone when it comes to baseball history and baseball numbers and weirdness and oddness and funness and things like that. <laughs> How do you view what we've seen from Julio Rodriguez in in, in that four game span? Yeah, I've been I've been playing around with this all day to try to figure out. Well, this was the, the greatest four days any hitters ever had, and I, I'm going to have to, I have to make the stats work for me to try to prove that. <laughs> but um, here's the thing that I looked at today that just blew me away. I don't think anybody has focused on this when he put the ball in play, meaning we're eliminating a couple strikeouts in there, right? He reached base at one point 16 times in a row. In the four games, he put the ball in play 
19 times, and he reached base 18 times. That's 17 hits. Plus, I don't know if you saw the one error mm-hmm. on Jeremy Pena, but it was it was this kind of this humpback line drive that was doing the little helicopter rotation thing, and it just wouldn't stay at Jeremy Pena's glove, and they called it an error. But, hey, look, Jeff, you and I have been following baseball a long time. Do you ever remember a guy reaching base 18 times out of 19 when he put the ball in play or 16 times in a row? No, I mean, I, I don't even know. I, I'm sure you've looked this. I, I can't imagine even Tony Gwynn did that. I can't find anybody who did it. I just finally had to ask wow. for some help because I couldn't find anybody who did it. And there are fielders out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there, there, there's guys with gloves who don't want to let you do that. Um, you know, the quality of pitching that he faced varied, but he did face a guy who just threw a no-hitter like three weeks ago. Right? Yes. It's, in, it's amazing to think that he did that. Um, he's special anyway. You know, he's the kind of guy you strap your franchise on his back and see where it leads you. But, wow, um, it's really taken that team and that offense to another level. And that's, you know, that's kind of the story of the Mariners that – you know, they, they've had the best pitching in the league, um, first half, second half, even after trading their closer. The difference in the Mariners' second half is the Mariners' the first half, you know, they scuffled offensively. In the second half, their offense is better, deeper, and certainly hotter. Julio speaks for himself. Uh, Eugenio Suarez is coming out of it. Teoscar is coming out of it. You know, they got a couple guys from Arizona who have really helped them. They're officially a team nobody would want to play. Very last question before we let you run. Uh, we also saw, I mean, the Red Sox, another team we're keeping an eye on here. Uh, they are creeping up. Uh, they swept the Yankees. Uh, I, I don't I don't remember hearing. I mean, Aaron Judge has, has spent most of the year fighting off exasperation in his post-game news conferences. But, I mean, uh, what we heard Saturday was, uh, you know, he talked about we're sick animals, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which which is true. I, I, I mean, look, I, I've said I, I'm not entirely surprised at how bad this team is, but I'm, I am surprised at just how they do not seem to have an answer at you all. Know, I remember a conversation that we had on this show I'm going to say it was June, first or second week of June, and I, I asked you, how many teams in the American League do you think are more talented than the Blue Jays? And the first name you mentioned was the Yankees, yeah. and Kevin and I both said, really? <laughs> and that was actually the beginning of this avalanche, but if you look at them, you just pick June 1st, okay? They are not that good at baseball. Mm-hmm. If you look at their team since the start of June, so that's almost three months now, what part of baseball are they good at other than the part where they employ Aaron Judge and they employ Garrett Cole? Since June 1st, they're 29th in baseball and runs scored. Only the A's are worse, and not that much worse. They're 25th in starting pitching ERA. Uh, they're kind of middle of the pack in bullpen ERA, so that's you know mm-hmm. they, that that's not the biggest of their issues. But since June first, they're twenty six 
and 40 with a minus 67 run differential. So there's nothing fluky about this. They're not good at baseball. Jason, I'm going to let you scoot. Appreciate your time as always. Jeff, always a pleasure, my friend. Take care. Jason Stark of The Athletic. And yes, the Yankees are, uh, oof. We'll deal with that when we do our Around the East segment or in the East segment later on in the show. Uh, reminder, there is baseball tonight on Sportsnet, even though the Jays are off. 6.30 p.m. on Sportsnet 1, the Cubs and Tigers. 6.30 p.m. on Sportsnet now, the Giants and the Phillies. And on the Sportsnet mains, well, this is a game I imagine we'll all be watching 8 o'clock, the Seattle Mariners at the Chicago White Sox as uh, the Mariners get a chance to put in a half game between them uh, and the, the Idle Blue Jays. We mentioned the Jays go into Baltimore for a three-game series starting tomorrow. The matchups, the probable matchups, Yusei Kikuchi against Grayson Rodriguez, Kevin Gossman against Jack Flaherty, and Jose Barrios against Dean Kramer. Uh, after that, the Jays return home to uh, face the Cleveland Guardians. But um, that will be that series against Baltimore. Those three games will will clearly be uh, a focus for this team. It's just some, and, and and as I said in my little preamble, it's just simply a matter of winning series at this point. Um, I'm going to try. I'm going to put my hand up and say I'm going to try as often as possible to not look at what has transpired this year with this with the Blue Jays and just look ahead because we are very much that that's that's the mode we're in right now. We are very much in what do you have to do today mode. Luckily, the Blue Jays today, today is an off day. Uh, Maury Brown is a senior contributor at Forbes. He's also a Seattle Mariners fan. Uh, so we're going to have to put up with Maury talking about the Mariners, which, which is fine. Um, but Maury, uh, Maury's piece in MLB attendance this season was the thing that got us talking uh, about the strength of attendance in the game, and, and particularly, and, and particularly the inroads that this game has made into the younger demographic. And as Jason Stark said, you know, one of the one of the strengths or one of the the aspects, uh, one of the the things baseball can do as a result of its online presence. One of the things it can do is you, 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 can, you can use social media, you can use the app to find out, to get some details about your, um, about your viewers, about your consumers. And the underlying numbers have been really good for baseball. Um, and, you know, there are those of us who have kind of wondered uh, what impact the new rules the new pace of play rules will have had, and that's probably too early to tell. We probably won't know until the end of the year. We'll probably need more consumer research. But clearly, whatever Major League Baseball has done, uh, it's working. Attendance is up. Franchise value is up. Um, and it's even it, and, and revenues are up at a time where the regional sports market in the United States, the regional sports TV market in the United States, has really, 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 uh, really... Uh, wouldn't say collapsed, but certainly been weakened. Maury Brown joins us next. It's Blair and Barker. Well, it's Blair. On Sportsnet 590, the fan, the Sportsnet Radio Network, and Sportsnet. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The JD Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, take some time today to um, uh, mention uh, Phil Lind, who uh, passed away on uh, Sunday. Uh, If you spend any time around this building, never mind spending a lot of time around this building, uh, like I have in recent years, it was uh, awfully hard to... um, not run into someone uh, who was influenced uh, by Phil. Um, He was rightfully dubbed uh, Ted Rogers' right-hand man and um, very much a key player in the development of Rogers into a telecom and media powerhouse. most importantly, I think for sports fans, uh, he was extremely, and I, I would say he's probably, he was probably the driving force behind bringing Sportsnet to Rogers. And I can absolutely say this, that it was Phil Lind who ultimately convinced Ted Rogers to buy the Blue Jays back in 2000. Um, he was vice chair of the Rogers board until his passing. And I can say this on a personal level. Um, Phil was a huge baseball fan. He was a huge sports fan, but he loved baseball. And uh, when I did my book on the Blue Jays, um, a large part of, what, of it dealt with the sale to Rogers and, and sort of the, the assumption of control of the team by the Rogers family. Ted was, or uh, Phil was, uh, the book doesn't get written without him. Uh, he was honest, um, he was caring, he, in our conversations about the book, um, ensured that, um, I got what I needed to get right. And subsequent to that, I'd run into Phil every now and then down in the, down in the cafeteria here and we'd always just stop and, and chat, um, he was, a, he was a busy, busy man. He always had something going on. But um, he will be missed. He, his presence will still, I mean, we'll still feel it here. Um, I know there's a plaque outside the studio when I walk by it every day uh, honoring Phil. So uh, our condolences, my condolences, and certainly the condolences of everybody at uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan, and, and indeed Sportsnet to uh, to his children, to Sarah and Jed, to Ellen, and 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 um, and their grandchildren, and 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 everybody who uh, who knew Phil. Uh, as I said, he was a he was a remarkable man. Um, the story of Phil Lind was basically the story of Rogers, but also in a lot of ways the story of telecommunications and media in Canada. Um, the Jays have today off before they start a three-game series against the Baltimore Orioles in Baltimore. You say Kikuchi against Grayson Rodriguez. Caleb Joseph will join us at the top of the hour. We'll take a uh, look ahead to that series. And even though I said we're not going to take a look back, we will obviously touch on the Cincinnati Reds. Um, but as I mentioned, this was the weekend that the Seattle Mariners moved ahead of the Blue Jays into the wild card race. Actually, didn't move ahead. They just kind of steamrolled their way uh, into the wild card race. And I want to talk to our next guest, uh, Maury Brown of Forbes, about 
the business of baseball and the strength we've seen in baseball. But first, Maury, I've got, I mean, I've got to imagine as a Mariners fan uh, what we saw from Julio Rodriguez over the past four games. And we just had Jason Stark on, and he's got all his statistical guys trying to find if anybody had a four-game run such as Julio Rodriguez. We've not, he has not come up with anybody yet. But, I mean, as a Mariners fan... One, you've got to be thrilled by what you've seen. And two, if you're honest, if you're honest, Maury, you did not see this coming, did you? No, I would only say that um, what it seemed to have happened to them was the pitching seemed to be there. And they're very pitcher depth. Their, their pitcher depth is, is really pretty well documented, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they have a fantastic farm system and have been able to bring up guys so, uh, you know, when, when we have, you know, pitchers drop out, um, they've been able to plug those holes. What had been lacking was hitting. And I don't know what happened over the All-Star break, but whatever it is, they seem to have found their groove. Um, Julio, of course, last year we, we saw this, and then I think it was the other way around. They're like, what happened here? But I don't think anybody saw him catch on fire like this. Um, it you know it 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 might be one thing to say Kansas City, who by the way was pesky, right? Mm-hmm. Really gave them a lot of fits, and you could go well. Their pit, that was beside their pitching. I mean, their pitching just isn't very great. But they went in there and they swept the Astros, and he's kept it up. And so you know he looked. The ball probably looks like a beach ball to him right now. If he hits one home run, one home run over the next fifteen games. He will tie Alex Rodriguez as the fastest Mariner to 50 home runs in their first two seasons. Wow. So um, he seems like he's easily going to hit that mark. Uh, I, I would be surprised if he didn't hit at least one dinger in 15 games. So, you know, yeah, it's pretty remarkable. But the rest of the team, uh, the, the hitting is, is picked up as well. Teoscar Hernandez, who, of course, you guys know very well there, um, had been largely – I mean, he was, he had been talked about being – trade material at the deadline and he suddenly caught on fire over the last week or so. So again, I think it's important to um, kind of look at hitting seem to have been the problem and they seem to have got that sorted out right now. Now, Maury, I want to take, uh, I, I read your article on, uh, on major league baseball's the, the attendance headed for biggest increase since the expansion in 1990. And I know major league baseball's put up, put out a, press release, or I guess a, a tweet that this weekend was the 10th of the season with more than 1.5 million fans in attendance the previous four seasons, 2019, 18 to 19, and 2021, 2022, combined for five such weekends. Um, we've certainly seen the Jays have robust numbers. I mean, I've talked about, we've seen, we've had midweek series here where 40,000 fans a night are at the Rogers Center, and I, I can remember times where you wouldn't get 40,000 fans over three over three-game series. Uh, midweek in the summer. Now, you know, look, I understand that you, that we've, we're dealing with, baseball's been dealing with a lot of things in the past few years. All sports has been dealing with a lot of things in the past few years as regarding COVID and, and, and coming out of the pandemic and, and things of that nature. But leaving that aside, Maury, yeah, I, I wonder if we're, like, it's easy to fall into the whole, oh, my God, baseball is in jeopardy because it's only a bunch of old folks watching the game anymore. I mean, it's easy to say that. That's kind of the conventional wisdom. But your reporting in a couple of articles suggests that actually, yeah, there's still a lot of people over 55 watching the game. 
But baseball is making inroads uh, in some of the younger demographics, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I mean, look, if you think about it, um, most all of us, um, with, of course, some exceptions, are tied to fandom at a young age, largely when we're children. And many of us played baseball as kids. And that's where the connection gets started. And then baseball by its design, because it's not as fast-paced as something like basketball or hockey, um, we start to see fans peel away in their 20s and early 30s. And as they have families, they reconnect. And then those kids get, you know, they get exposed to the game. So largely what we've seen is that core fans, the ones that are the most avid about baseball, make up a larger percentage of all the major four sports in North America. Not by much. I think it's by a percentage or two over the NFL. So it, it is, you know, it, it has always kind of been there. I think the reason that we get this idea that it's 55 and older is because of television. And if anybody's been paying, uh, paying attention to um, what has been going on with traditional television, cable subscribers have peeled off pretty dramatically, especially since the, the pandemic. Streaming wasn't counted by, at least in the U.S., by Nielsen until last year. So what happens is those were never really accounted for, and I think that that's where that narrative really has come from. You go to the ballpark, you're going to see a lot of kids, you're going to see a lot of younger people. So uh, I think that it has been that that. 55 and older is why it's there. Look, we've been talking about that for, what, 20 years, it mm -hmm. seems like? If you were that, you know, look, <laughs> if you're 55 and older and you do the math, some people are going to start dying along the way there, then that, that narrative wouldn't hold. So, again, I, I think that that's been overstated, and there's, you know, some significant numbers to show that that is not the case. Do we have any consumer research on the rules changes? Is specifically the pace of play and the impact that is had. I mean, I, I presume we would probably have to wait to the end of the year to, to see the full, uh, get the full read on it. But I mean, and anecdotally, Maury, I I know more people who've gone to to Blue Jays games this year, even just one off, one or two games a year. People who've just bought tickets for a day because the weather has been nice and they want to go. I know more people who have done that than in, in I mean, at any point since I've been in Toronto. Just anecdotally, yeah, it's a, it's a combination of things, Jeff. It's um, absolutely the rule changes have affected things, but I wouldn't lay it all at that at its feet. It's a number of other changes that I think have largely gone under the radar. Games have started a little bit earlier, and when you combine that with pace of play, right, and games being shorter, you're you're getting out of games earlier, and I think that that helps a lot of people, especially with kids to be able to watch games not only on television, but go to the ballpark and get home at a reasonable hour. So there has certainly been that. The other piece to the, the puzzle has been the balance schedule. Um, that has really, I think, affected a lot of this. I mean, we're, uh, you know, this is something that I think has largely flown under the radar, is that it really is early stages of setting ourselves up for expansion. Because when you do that, there'll be realignment. And the idea of AL and NL becomes kind of, you know, academic at that point. You'll start to see stuff where things are just moving around, kind of like what we've seen um, in the NFL. You know, that it largely will not be league-dependent like it has been. Mm -hmm. A lot of fans may not like that, but I think that it has played a large part of it 
in having this balanced schedule where everybody plays everybody else. What does it say that we're able to see this and we're able to say this at a time where the regional sports television market in the United States is, is, is facing an awful lot of challenges? I mean, you've written extensively about the, the, the bankruptcy and the financial issues of some of the uh, and, and how Major League Baseball has had to step in literally to get games on TV. Um, do you think baseball's learning and anything from this crisis? If, or let me rephrase that. Do you think maybe baseball is, has seen an opportunity as a result of this crisis in some of the regional markets? Well, yeah, I think that baseball looks at themselves as probably um, more ready to be able to deal with this this situation that's going on right now. I mean, obviously, I mentioned that people are peeling off from traditional television and going to streaming. And baseball has been the gold standard for live streaming forever. I mean, uh, for those that don't know, they were so good at it, they fired up a, a company outside of baseball. They called it BamTech. And they sold that, and that's known as Disney Plus and ESPN Plus. They sold the whole thing to them. Just, here you go and made a small fortune off of it. I mean, they're very good at it. So they have been looking at this as, I think people realize that there's this inflection point going on and that it was bound to impact some sports more than others. Major League Baseball will be impacted more than anybody. Um, But again, I think that they are ready to take on at least the majority of them. Look, there's no way that all 30 clubs are going to go there. I mean, Rodgers is not going to give up you know, uh, the situation with the Blue Jays, or certainly you're not going to have Ness in with the Red Sox Mm -hmm. or even Root Sports Northwest with the Mariners, where there's equity in those regional sports networks. But all of those ones that were the former Fox Sports regional networks, which are now under the Bally Sports moniker, those, I think, are, are capable, if not all of them, at least a large majority of them, over the next few years winding up under Major League Baseball's umbrella. Maury, really good of you to join us. Uh, Really appreciate it. Great to talk to you as always, my friend. Be well. You too, Jeff, man. You take care. All righty. That's Maury Brown of Forbes. If you are interested, uh, average attendance so far this year versus last year's attendance, only three Major League teams are averaging fewer fans this year than they did last year. The St. Louis Cardinals, they're down by 452 fans. The Chicago White Sox, 3,100. The Washington Nationals, 3,125. Um, of course, those three teams are, uh, are not having good years. Everybody else is up. The Philadelphia Phillies are up by 10,293. The Reds, you probably saw that this weekend, 7,378. The Toronto Blue Jays are one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh. They have the seventh highest average increase so far this year, 4,773 fans per game. Of course, and we know, of course, this is the first year with the reconfigured, rejigged uh, Rogers Stadium or, or, or uh, uh, with, 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 the, with the rejigged Rogers Center. Um, and that is... Uh, but that, that's a pretty significant increase. And as I've said, if you've gone to any games midweek, you, under, you, you realize just uh, how, how much, how robust the attendance is. Uh, and that is certainly a good trend for Ben. The other thing that must be said about baseball, too, is of all the sports out there in North America, I think Major League Baseball is probably the sport that will be able to tap into the revenue streams provided by legalized sports gaming. 
probably easier than any other sport. I, I keep thinking of that uh, presentation that Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, and Rob Manfred, uh, Major League Baseball commissioner, Gary Bettman, they were NHL uh, commissioner. They were in this on, on the dais at the sports business meeting, and they were talking about the impact of legalized sports uh, gaming and Adam Silver at one point looked to Rob Manfred and said, "I don't understand why you want your games to take longer to, to be shorter. The longer the game is, the more people are going to gamble in game. And your game, and he was talking to Rob Manfred, is perfectly suited to that because of all the stoppages. So uh, interesting times. But uh, as Maury Brown uh, has pointed out, I mean, the bottom line is, I think a lot of the preconceived notions about baseball need to be shelved." And uh, the game is in a real good place. And ultimately, it's reflected by franchise value. The cost of buying a baseball team keeps going up. There's a reason for that. Uh, it's time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. So I didn't realize this, but apparently Barker's kidnapped Mark Boffo as well, our, our, our producer. I don't know why he didn't take Holland. Not, I'm not upset that he didn't. I'm not upset that he didn't, but I'm just saying I'm surprised that he didn't, you know, Take the whole kit and caboodle. So, uh, but but Jeff has a party is uh, is filling in and doing a yeoman job. I I am Jeff and feeling the pressure, filling in for not just you know uh, producer extraordinaire Mark Boffel, but uh, Kevin Barker as well. It's like Dalton Varsho pinch hitting for um, I don't know Alejandro Kirk maybe when yeah, fans get mad. Anyways, for Bet Rivers today, let's stay uh, with that hot Seattle team and Julio Rodriguez. You know, the game is on Sportsnet tonight, uh, Mariners versus White Sox at 8 p.m. You can catch it on Sportsnet. So let's go Julio Rodriguez, one of the hottest hitters in baseball for total bases Ugh. over 1.5. Facing uh, Tukey Toussaint. Yeah, and, and uh, <laughs> Tukey Toussaint has allowed 14 hits in his last 14 and a third innings. Um, and gosh, and, and, and the White Sox are such a, they're such a tire fire. Here, I'll give you a bit more. Like, I know your your regular Chillbilly co-host there, Barker, throws numbers at you. All right. Uh, he struggled with his control in his last start. It was his uh, shortest start since July uh, 2nd. Gave up three earned runs on three hits, five uh, base on balls, four strikeouts, Ooh. and four innings pitch, and gave up two home runs. So uh, where, where do you see this with I mean, Julio? I, He's hottest. I think of this, if, I mean, if you're going to make this play, you've got, you've got to take the over. It just screams like, it, it, it just screams the over. Um, God, I just, you know, you kind of, whenever a guy is, whenever a guy is on a run, you know, I always kind of look at it and go, okay, at some point there's got to be a regression. At some point it's got to, at some point the guy's just got to wake up and go, God, I don't feel good today. But I, I've got to think against the Chicago White Sox. You know, I watched a bit of the Mariners games this weekend. Uh, that game against Houston was terrific yesterday. The Mariners are playing... They're playing with the real edge right now, so yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna very comfortably take. Hey, take Jeff, the let's over. give Bear Rivers some extra content here on their site today and on the app. They also have a special same game parlay app, plus four twenty five, which has the Seattle Mariners winning by two runs, mm-hmm. Julio Rodriguez getting over one point five hits, and Luis Castillo getting over five point five strikeouts. Would would you bet some on that? Would you Would you go for that? Uh, Castillo five and a half again. The White Sox. Uh, yeah, I, w- I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you bet against the Mariners right now? I, totally I, agree I, I mean, why would you? It, it, it's uh, just having seen them in their in their past this this recent run, um, it's it's pretty hard not to it's pretty hard not to think 
good things about them. I mean, they, again, I keep getting back to this. They haven't swept, they swept the Astros. I think the last time they swept the Astros was like 2018. That was before the Astros are really the Astros, right? Uh, and we know that Rodriguez, that Julio Rodriguez has made adjustments to his stance. Our friend Barker would be very, very thrilled about that. He's got a wider stance. He just looks better. Yeah, I'm, I, would, I would easily, I would easily take that same, play that same game parley. I would have no problem uh, doing that at all. And again, 8 p.m. tonight on Sportsnet, Seattle Mariners and Chicago White Sox. You can watch that game. That was Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. The Jays have today off. That three-game series against Baltimore starts tomorrow. Who better to look ahead to a series against the Orioles than Caleb Joseph? That's why we're going to bring him on. Caleb Joseph will look ahead to that series against the Orioles. We'll take a little look back at the Reds game and try to come to some sort of conclusion about the impact Bo Bichette had on the lineup in his return. Also, some interesting words from Bo we're going to play for you. See what Caleb says about that. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Sportsnet. And if you're listening to us via podcast, leave us a five-star rating and review. It means a lot to me and Barker.